welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. On today's episode, we welcome USD's 18th president, Sheila Gestring. In celebration of President Gestring's inauguration on February 13th, we discuss her career, transition into the presidency, the value of a liberal arts education, and the future of USD. President Gestring, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I, I think I, the question I'm most curious about is how have you settled into the president position? Obviously, you were at USD um, prior to assuming this role. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, has your perspective on any issue changed? Um, I'm not sure anyone ever actually settles into a presidential position at a university. Um, there's certainly a lot going on that I hadn't been exposed to before. I wouldn't say that my perspective has changed on any of the early issues. Um, perhaps my resolve is a little bit stronger when it comes to access. Um, the more and more I study that particular issue, the more I think that's important for the University of South Dakota. Um, just here at USD, over 270 fewer Pell-eligible students on our campus. That, that means we're missing out on 270 students um, that perhaps before we weren't because now financial has become a stronger barrier. So if anything, I would say um, my, my perspective on things is even more informed and stronger. What do you perceive maybe as your biggest challenge and what is maybe the most rewarding part of your job? Um, the, I'll start with the rewarding. The most rewarding part has been meeting so many new constituents um, within the University of South Dakota, getting an opportunity to really go out around the country and meet alumni and donors and friends of the university, interacting with all the student groups and having an opportunity to be much more involved on the student side of the university. That's been very rewarding, meeting with the incredible faculty and staff that we have here at the University of South Dakota. I always knew it was a, a special university, but having an opportunity to meet even more of those individuals has certainly strengthened that opinion. You know, you, you have a background in higher education, um, obviously on the financial side of it. What attracted you, I guess, to this um, specific subsector of the economy, I guess? That's kind of a long story. Um, years ago, I started back in state government and never saw myself working in state government. I was going to go work for a CPA firm, but I um, got into a significant car accident and couldn't afford to be picky about which job I took first because I had to replace my car. So the first job I was offered was in Pierce, South Dakota. And so I started working in state government um, worked with health department, transportation, human services. And human services was a really difficult industry, even when you're sitting in the finance office because of some of the stories and how, how sad some of the lack of services can be for individuals. Um, and so the cabinet secretary I was working for at the time, I had told, as soon as you retire, I need to find some some sector that has a more positive outcome. And when he retired, it so happened that the Board of Regents had an opening, and I thought, higher education, that has a, po that has a really positive, really powerful outcome. That's where I want to be. What do you think USD looks like in 10 years? That's kind of a tricky question. If I could have my way and have all the pieces fall into place, 
Um, the University of South Dakota main campus and online and its um, satellite locations would have an enrollment of 15,000 students. I really think we have the capacity to do that. I think we're well suited to serve that many students. And I think that there's an extraordinary benefit for the state of South Dakota for us to grow to that size um, for the workforce development, um, first and foremost, priorities of the state. Yeah. Well, this kind of, I think, leads into it. I mean, some people, I think, question maybe the value of a liberal arts education. You talk about it being you know, really important to the future of the state. What would be your argument to the skeptic um, that says, hey, maybe the utility of this type of degree has lost some of its luster? You know, I think as fast as the world has changed the last 10 years and how fast it will continue to change over the next five, probably at an even much faster pace, a liberal arts education is very well suited to meet those workforce demands. Um, and a liberal arts education, we teach our students first and foremost how to learn um, and then to continue to learn throughout their lifetime. And when things are evolving so quickly, those skills are absolutely critical. And certainly, there's a very important element to um, the technical degrees. Um, we absolutely need that. We need the full spectrum of education in South Dakota. But no one form of education is excluded from meeting that workforce demand need. You know, you talked about um, kind of the future of satellite campuses. I think a, a big one for USD is the University Center in Sioux Falls. Um, what is the future of, of that campus? Um, and you know, how does USD uplift that campus? How does that campus uplift USD? That's a great question. And, and I see the University Center in Sioux Falls as one of those opportunities for us to serve those students that right now don't have access to higher education. Um, and we're absolutely thrilled that Carmen Simone will be starting, has started actually, um, January 2nd. And she is ready to get going, but some of the statistics in that area you might be familiar with. Um, in the four-county area by Sioux Falls, 686 students graduated high school and did not pursue any form of higher education. Um, 121 of those students had an ACT of 18 or higher. That means that they're academically prepared to be successful in higher education in any form of post-secondary education. So we're missing out on those students. And I think a number that was even more startling was the 510 students who didn't even take the ACT, did not see any form of post-secondary education as part of their future and therefore never even took the exam that might get them entrance. Uh, so we really need to get into that segment of the Sioux Falls population and serve those students. Uh, those students are not going to be able to come to campus for whatever reason as it is. Um, so I don't see it as competing. I see it as adding to our service to the state. You know, another, I think, um, exciting uh, part of what we have going on in Sioux Falls is the USD Discovery District. Um, you know, there's been some big announcements with some of the construction projects, some of the um, you know, capital uh, projects finally kind of coming together at that campus. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, you've kind of been involved with that, I think, from the beginning. You've kind of seen it come from the ground up literally. Um, where do you think that campus is in 10 years, if you can kind of project that far? 
Well, the Discovery District has really taken off a lot more quickly than um, many of us ever expected. I know it seems like we started several decades ago, a couple decades ago, to really lay the groundwork for um, the organization, and then it's really started to accelerate, and now we have our first two buildings. And I don't think any of us anticipated those two buildings would be breaking ground this year. Um, but in at the pace of interest since those two buildings, um, I think in 10 years you might see 10 or more buildings out there. Um, and that's going to be critical to South Dakota economy, particularly the Sioux Falls region, uh, because the focus will be on biotechnology, which is a wonderful complement then to our biomedical engineering program that we have right there in Sioux Falls. Um, we have had the Ph.D. program now for several years and recently have partnered with the School of Mines to add the bachelor's degree. And those are exactly the kinds of employees that the companies locating there, like SAB and Alumend, need to fuel their workforce. You know, what I think is exciting about it is this kind of you know, futuristic, um, you know, advanced manufacturing. They think of all of the potential, kind of just the synergy there between the entrepreneurs, um, the academics, the researchers, and then the business who might be able to take advantage of the people that come from these programs. You know, was that planned? I mean, how could, I'm kind of curious with some of the, maybe the initial discussions that people were having that you maybe sat in on. I mean, how did people I guess, know enough to say, hey, this is a good investment. This might be something that could really take off for not only Sioux Falls, but the entire state of South Dakota. You know, I think, you know, research parks certainly have been around for a while. And it did take an awful lot of vision of all of the players that were at the table because it's hard at first to to sort of conceptualize what will this really look like? Is this really going to come together? or Or is it just a story that is a possibility and... How, how does it work? Well, I think we all actually came to realize, too, that anymore you're unable to do um, a big visionary initiative like that on your own. It really does take collaboration now. It takes significant uh, shared vision, collaboration of all the major parties and research parks like the Discovery District are where education and innovation and research and commerce all come together. It's it's where you see the investments in education really start to materialize. One of the things that you've talked about being a big concern to you is accessibility. Um, you talked about sort of the different things we might be able to do at some of our satellite campuses. Um, yeah, I, I think back to when I was making the decision to go to college and the discussions that I would have with my parents, and it was all about affordability. And I think that that's another you know thing that people knock maybe um, universities for is kind of the soaring costs of higher education. I, just with your background, I think you probably have a pretty good perspective. Um, what... What are the challenges with affordability in terms of higher education? How can we make higher education affordable and accessible for, you know, middle class, kind of regular South Dakota families? You know, I just had a conversation about that a couple of days ago with an individual whose response was, well, when I went to college, I worked part time and I worked my way through college. I had to remind that individual that that was possible when he and I were going to college, because at that time the university was being supported at about a 60% level from state appropriations, and about 40% was coming from the family and the students. Today, that number is flipped. And at minimum wage, I can't imagine anyone that would be able to fill that financial gap 
and work enough hours at minimum wage to still be able to afford education. So the, the, the environment is considerably different in that way. Um, you know, University of South Dakota, I think, is unique from that national story where they talk about the soaring cost of education. When we look at comparable information, the University of South Dakota, on average, delivers 47 percent or delivers more degrees and costs 47 percent less than our, any of our peers. Um, that's a pretty efficient and effective number. So I think USD has done a lot to really address that affordability piece and keep an education affordable to the extent that it can. Um, but there are constant pressures on on the budgets, on the expenses. And so the costs do go up, and that's what hits the families the hardest. So that's why I think it's critical that we continue to work with the state either for the accessibility. The Dakotas promised perhaps some form of state financial um, needs-based financial aid. Or we work with the state to try to get back to a stated goal from a few years ago where the state funds 50% and the students and family fund 50% of their education. You mentioned Dakota Promise. Uh, what is that program? I don't know if you can kind of mention um, what benefit that would maybe bring to the University of South Dakota. Sure. Dakota's Promise was a proposal put forward by the Board of Regents and supported by all the university presidents as their top priority. And that is a needs-based financial aid package for the students of South Dakota. And it would benefit roughly 6,000 students per year. And what that does is help fill the gap. It's really a shared responsibility approach to um, providing an education to students in the state of South Dakota. It, it identifies the family contribution. It identifies the student's contribution and obligation. It identifies the university's obligation to keep its costs affordable. It includes the federal financial aid elements. And then the last piece, that fifth piece, is that state needs-based financial aid. Um, yeah, how many you know, students would this potentially impact? 6,000 statewide. And generally speaking, um, USD is about a third of the entire regional system. And so that would, that would mean roughly 2,000 students benefited here at, at USD. One of the priorities that you've had um, has been the USD School of Law. I don't know if you can just maybe talk about some of the initiatives that the School of Law has undertaken the last year or two and, and, and kind of where we're at with it. Sure. Uh, we're really excited about the future of the, of the law school. Uh, just in one year, we've seen tremendous change, tremendous progress. Um, thanks to the generosity of donors, alumni, and friends, we were able to implement a top scholars program where 13 students took advantage of full tuition and fees, um, and that raised our class size 22% in one year. Um, so we're recovering on the enrollment side much more quickly than the rest of the nation because, as you may know, nationally, law schools were seeing declines in enrollments and in the numbers that they wanted to see. Um, in addition to increasing the class size, we also raised the average LSAT score of the incoming class to a level as high as it's been or to a level that um, hasn't been seen since 2010. And I think one of the most um, impressive measures of, of progress in the law school was the pass rates this, this past summer. 
The year prior was 52%. This year was 82%. So a 30% change in the pass rates. And, you know, I think that's hard to measure quantitatively. I think there's some measure of qualitative change there. The faculty, the staff, the students saw that the whole state really rallied to support the school of law. And that that means something, and it can raise your your mental approach to things, your outlook, your your morale. And I think that makes a difference when you're going into courses of study. And I was going to ask, you know, lawyers, and I, th- I feel like I'm in law school, so I feel like I can make this joke, but they're not necessarily the most sympathetic profession, right? People don't have a lot of sympathy for lawyers. I mean, why do you think the state rallied so significantly around um, the school of law, both the legislature and also just the legal community in South Dakota? Well, I think it would be really difficult to look in any corner or crevice of the legal community and not find a University of South Dakota law school graduate. Uh, We really are the backbone for the legal system in the state of South Dakota. We're the only law school in the state, um, first of all. But our mission is really to meet that, that need in the state of South Dakota specifically. And I think everyone recognized how important keeping a strong legal system is to our state and its future. You know, one exciting aspect of the law school is that there'll be a new dean uh, starting sometime in the next few months. Um, What do you think that that uh, dean really needs to do to elevate the law school here into the future? Sure. We're really excited to... uh, to meet the finalists. Um, we hope to have those finalists named and on campus at the end of January. And from my understanding of the search committee, that's been a really strong pool of candidates. And that's that's encouraging. In years prior, we always we haven't always had a really strong pool for some of our positions, but I, I think that speaks volumes to the success that USD's been having these past several years. But I think more than anything, that new dean is going to need to engage with the business community in the state of South Dakota, the legal community in the state of South Dakota. Um, In many respects, uh, I think we learned a lot from the summer study. I think we learned that we weren't connected closely enough to those communities in our work. We were doing great work, no question. Um, But it was time, I think, for us to really hear back from that community. And so as a result, we created an advisory committee for the new law dean to to really stay connected to each of the constituencies there. Um, The new law dean will also um, spend a significant amount of time raising dollars to continue the Top 15 Scholars program. That was clearly successful. It was a message loud and clear from that summer study as well that USD simply did not have enough financial aid to offer to the law school students. And so we have to keep that program going and growing for that matter. You know, speaking of you know deans and for people who are maybe unfamiliar with how a um, university system works, deans are kind of the generals, I guess you would say that they're 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 in definite leadership positions here on campus. I'm curious, what what do you think a good leader um, possesses? What characteristics? There are a lot of schools of thoughts on on what a good leader looks like. Um, so I'll just offer my perspective. For me, it's always been important to be. First and foremost, a servant leader. Um, I'm here to serve 
the University of South Dakota campus, what can I do to facilitate success in teaching, in service, in research, um, in our students, all of those areas that are mission critical to the, to the University of South Dakota. And I think um, integrity is maybe the most important piece for me as well. Um, integrity can, can accomplish things like build trust, right? And a university, any organization, can move much more quickly when there, are, when there is trust between the, the individual parties trying to accomplish an initiative. So I think, number one, uh, incredible strength and in integrity. Um, work ethics certainly lead by example. It takes hard work to get done what we, what we do. But as much as anything, serve first and then lead. Um, you know, one story I've heard you tell a couple of times, and it's kind of my favorite story, is about um, your role kind of as a mentor. There was a mentorship program a few years ago at USD. I don't know if you can maybe just retell that story um, for our audience. Sure. So, yeah, a few years ago, we had a mentor program for incoming freshmen, and volunteers were paired up with those freshmen that were interested in participating in that program. And so I met with a young lady. I had requested to be paired up with someone from the business school, which, given my background in accounting, made sense to me. I thought I could at least be the most helpful there. And after a couple of coffees and lunches, it was clear that this individual who had chosen um, health services track within the business school um, didn't want to go down the business route. She was far more passionate about um, occupational therapy. And so we started talking about what she might need to do to change direction without without really losing progress toward degree. And so we got her connected with a pre-occupational therapy club and all these various organizations got her paired up with an advisor that could help her make that transition smoothly and um, would run into her periodically on campus, sort of stay connected that way from a distance. And then the day of my announcement, I got an email from her that I still keep that reminded me of the, of the mentorship um, relationship that we had had and how thrilled she was to see me named as the next president. And it was just a heartwarming email. It was maybe the best congratulatory email I got. Well, and, and part of this, I think why I love this story is it makes me think of the relationships that I had with my professors, um, some of my mentors on campus. And I think that's another thing that gets lost when people talk about maybe the value of a liberal arts education. They so focus on like starting salaries. They don't focus on sort of the lifelong relationships that I still rely on, um, you know, to help me make important decisions, professional decisions, personal, you know, <sighs> To kind of rewind here for a second and, and go back, I think, to maybe the image problem that sometimes universities have. I mean, what would be one misconception if there was that maybe people have about a public university that if you could correct, um, you would take the opportunity to do so? You know, I think some of the misperception out there is that um, we we sit in an ivory tower. That's such an old misperception, the old ivory tower. I don't think that exists here. Well, I know it doesn't exist here at the University of South Dakota. Our faculty and staff are very engaged with our students. They are creating those relationships that you've talked about. And I think it's it's easy to do that at a place like USD because we're large enough to offer any, 
any program study that you might see in a liberal arts university, but we're small enough to have those connections and those relationships and to be able to find each other and talk to each other and help each other. And the culture here, I think, is one that all faculty and staff are truly committed to the success of the student. I mean, they genuinely care. Even if people start to think about, well, what's that, what's that starting salary going to be? I think you'll find the conversation here turn to, what is it that you want to do in 10 years? How is it that you want to contribute your gifts to better your family, to better your community? The question isn't about how much money am I going to make my first year out. It's about how you're going to contribute your gifts going forward into the future, bettering your community, bettering your family. You know, there's a billboard outside of Vermilion. Um, if you're coming from Interstate 29, I think you see it. And it says, Welcome Home. And I'm curious what that billboard maybe means to you. I love that, Welcome Home. And I had nothing to do with putting that up there, but I've said it for years. Um, you know, when my family and I moved here, immediately Vermilion felt like home. USD feels like home. And in many respects, a university is a home away from home. Um, and so whenever alumni have come to campus for Dakota Days or for any games, especially those that have traveled by distance, I've always said to them, well, welcome home. Um, I think when this, the son of a high school classmate of mine came to enroll and I saw how difficult it was for his parents to leave that first day, the, the move-in day, um, the first thing I said to him was, welcome home. I think USD really is a home away from home. You know, one thing that surprised me, I came back, I was a USD undergraduate, left for about five or six years, came back. I think it was shocking to me in that little amount of time how much the, the community of Vermilion has developed. I mean, the downtown, there's nice restaurants there now, um, not to disparage the ones that were there previously, but, you know, I, I always think this with alumni. I mean, if even if you went to school just five, six years ago, the campus itself, the town of Vermilion has changed so dramatically. There's, I mean, look out, I mean, there's tons of construction pro projects going on. Um, you've been really involved with kind of the community of Vermilion. What would be your selling point if you had to try to sell Vermilion on somebody who's maybe a little bit skeptical of moving to what, you know, is objectively a, a fairly small community? That's an easy one. I've always been, like you said, very involved in Vermilion as the chamber board for many, many years. Um, and it's outgoing president right now. Um, and I have just been absolutely thrilled to see the progress in Vermilion. And I think a lot of it is because now we're all working together. When 12 years ago I moved to Vermilion, it looked dramatically different than it does now. And there was a much different attitude between the university and perhaps the community than I see today. And a lot of that has been um, significant effort towards changing that because there is truth to the rising tide raises all ships. USD needs Vermilion to be successful and vice versa. We need each other. It's easier to recruit students, faculty, staff to a community that's vibrant like we have right now. Um, 
So when I talk to someone who's perhaps a little bit skeptical about a small town, I talk about how you have a Division I university and all the activities that go on at that university within a minute's drive, not an hour's drive. There's minimal crime to speak of here in Vermilion. Um, it's like South Dakota. It's relatively safe. It's a very small town. Um, it's a very open and welcoming, welcoming community. Uh, you can walk to work in many cases, and if not walk, ride your bike. Um, it's just a safe community. It's a friendly community. And like you mentioned, too, the restaurants, I would put up against anyone in the state of South Dakota or any national chain for that matter. Um, I know a lot of people in Yankton always drive up to Vermilion to go to a restaurant because we do have such fabulous restaurants here. Well, no, and I, I, I think that too, you know, as far as, and I'll give credit to, um, I think student services here at, at USD. Um, you know, I don't remember like too many concerts and stuff like that, that the university was hosting. Now it seems like we get a pretty big name artist every, every year, um, that either performs in the dome or, uh, the arena. Um, I think that's a cool part of living in a college, you know, community is the various things. One night you can go to, um, you know, an international fair, experience different cultures um, that exist in the world. The next day you're going to a Division One basketball game, right? Um, I guess if you were, if I was going to ask you to give your recruitment pitch um, for a maybe unsure, they don't 100% know what major they even want to pursue, but a person that knows they want to pursue higher education, what would be your pitch to them to come to Vermilion and, and become part of the Coyote family? You won't find another university with the faculty and staff and community that care about your success anywhere else in the world. We're big enough to offer all the options for you to explore the various disciplines, and we're small enough that you can find anyone and ask them a question, and they will help you succeed. President Gastring, we've enjoyed having you on. Our last question that we like to ask is a little bit, I think, philosophical in nature. Um, and then you've had kind of an interesting career. Obviously, you have a financial background. You've been at USD for many years. You've kind of seen, I think, a lot of changes at USD. And obviously, you kind of have your hands at the at the lever of the direction that we're going to go here in the future. At this point in your life, what do you know for sure? What I know for sure is that an education at the University of South Dakota is transformational. It can truly change a person's life. I've seen it. I see the alumni. Um, I've heard stories from the alumni. I, I know with certainty that an education is absolutely critical to society and to the individual. President Gestring, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we sit down with John Barron, a USD alumnus who has gone on to have a successful career directing and producing many of Hollywood's most exciting and entertaining television shows. Until next time, go Yotes.